Welcome to the Bringing the Human Back to Human Resources podcast. I'm Tracy Chernoff, and I've spent my entire professional career in HR. Each week, we'll explore the delicate balance between people and business with the aim to reconnect the two and create meaningful outcomes. Listen in as I share my own experiences, challenge the status quo, and chat with guests from various industries about our mission to bring the human back to human resources. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here for another week. You know what to do. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you are streaming this episode. And maybe you're streaming this episode because you've already done that, but that's okay. Do it again. Um, With me today, I have Yolanda Brown, who is a seasoned professional whose expertise spans over 20 years in both the private and public sectors. Her drive and self-determination has resulted in a myriad of demonstrable Oh my gosh. See how I trip over my words? We're going to start that sentence over to my video editor. This is a note. Her drive and self-determination has resulted in a myriad of demonstrable accomplishments as an intuitive leader, thought partner, and high-functioning performer. Yolanda serves as the president of Diversity Initiatives for Engage Mentoring, where she leads the national expansion of diversity-focused mentoring and leadership programs for companies, universities, and nonprofits. She believes fervently that access to meaningful connections is a key component to driving inclusive cultures, which is going to be a huge part of what we talk about today. Yolanda holds a master's of science in organizational leadership and a host of certifications, including being a certified child and youth care practitioner. In addition, Yolanda is an entrepreneur, author, and speaker. She has written books and contributed chapters in multiple award-winning anthologies. Whether it's via public speaking or her published works, she leverages her formal education, real-world experiences, and her passion to inspire and motivate others to live according to their purpose. Collectively, her works help to build resilience, confidence, and character. Yolanda's work and insights have also been featured in SHRM, Diversity Q, and Diversity Professional Magazine, among others. She's a frequent speaker at industry conferences and events, and she currently lives in Avon, Indiana with her husband, Vincent, and daughter, Kiara. Welcome to the podcast, Yolanda. What an amazing bio. I feel so inspired. (laughs) Oh my gosh, of course. And I'm really, really excited that we're getting to broach this subject, not only from, you know, your expertise in nonprofit and youth development and areas like that, but also just in general, like this, this core idea of access to relationships and how DE&I and all of that is really so connected to that access and the space that people are afforded. So I would love to just kind of dive in. I know that this is, you know, this topic can take us through hours and hours and hours of content. Obviously you've, you've been a speaker on these topics for, you know, in so many ways, but what do you, what would you say is like, you know, your initial um, drive to focus on access to relationships? Like what really got you to this frontier within business and, and organizations? Yes, that's a great question, Tracy. I, you know, at it, I think it's sometimes so easy for us to um, take for granted <laughs> the importance of relationships and how it's uh, relationships are woven into every aspect of our lives, and and so when it comes to you know when I think back to the individuals who have um, shaped my, um, shaped who I am personally, shaped who I am professionally, 
it was those those mentors and influencers that poured into me and and helped mm-hmm. me see my potential even before I did. And so it um, the opportunity to serve now in helping you know organizations see that access uh, to relationships, specifically through the framework of mentoring, it, it's critical. And, and it's yeah. especially critical, you know, when you look at it through the lens of diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts. Absolutely. This is a, a really good point. And, you know, when I think about just like even the episodes, generally speaking, that we've done on DE&I, um, there's always, uh, you know, kind of this underlying, at least maybe it's just in my mind, but this underlying realization that there's so much and there's so much to DE&I. There's so much that companies can do. There's so much that companies are doing, maybe not doing. And I think yes. that sometimes can be really overwhelming. I know I have felt overwhelmed by the the need to focus on the importance of DE&I while also mm-hmm. having the overwhelm of like, am I inadvertently excluding anyone in the initiatives? Like, you know, like there's so, because the the focus is to be inclusive through those measures, it can be a lot. And I know um, just thinking about the statistics from 2020, DE&I roles were some of the most commonly and newly created roles in businesses, which is amazing because then it's not this like role that's sitting within HR or just, you know, on its own, it's really like this concept as a, as a structure, as a focus for a business. So in your yeah. role, you're the president of diversity initiatives. So you probably hear this a lot. You probably, uh, maybe you even give advice that it's like, Hey, let's focus on one thing at a time. But what do you see as like, as the most common piece of feedback when you're working potentially with clients or even your own team around diversity initiatives? And is there a way to kind of focus on one thing at a time to build up to the most equitable, inclusive, diverse, uh, you know, organization possible? Yeah, such a great, such a great question. And, and so one thing that I want to say first is you mentioned, you know, 2020, and that's what I call, <laughs> that's when the world blew up, you know, around right. this um, yeah. topic particularly. And, you know, many organizations, as you said, were faced with various critical decisions. You know, even, you know, I remember at that time, the organization that I was with, that was when the decision was made that a DEI-focused role was needed. Um, we implemented a DEI council or committee, oh. which many other organizations have done. And, and even some organizations, you know, that's when the strategic plan had, you know, it was time to add a area or set specific goals around, you know, outcomes, you know, uh, around DEI, the, the challenge becomes, you know, even then and still yet today, when I talk to um, various, you know, uh, DEI-focused leaders from around the country, the challenge is that, you know, and if you, I'm, I'm sure you've heard this term, DEI fatigue, you know, there yeah. is a trend that uh, DEI leaders are tired, that they feel unsupported and, you know, with unfulfilled or stalled activities that were high on the list two and three years ago. But now 
budget cuts, shifts mm-hmm. in organizational priorities, overall really lack of uh, authority and, and really not having a true voice at the table. You know, yeah. that is the case in some organizations, not all. There are some organizations that are really getting this right. And those organizations, quite honestly, Tracy, were getting it right long before the reckoning. And, and that is, you know, there are some organizations that already had these things, you know, um, top of mind, top of focus, you know, where they were committed to driving um, diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. They understood, yeah. you know, the need, um, you know, long before it became a popular thing to do. And so, unfortunately, you know, there are organizations, I, I often, I just talked to, uh, an individual um, a few weeks ago, you know, and I often hear, I'm a team of one. I'm a team mm-hmm. of one. I can only do so much. And sometimes it's embedded in the HR initiative. Sometimes it's under uh, a talent development team, learning and development team. And it, that that matters too. The structure within an organization, that also helps to determine the um, autonomy, the the budget allotment, the the power, the true voice and representation that a DEI leader within an organization will have. And so that matters in, you know, how initiatives get rolled out, where the commitment level is, because, you know, and then when you tie it to the access to relationships piece, you know, it it really helps to broaden perspective. It helps to build community and remove barriers within organizations, but it it has to start at the top, you know, with leadership buy-in. So if that DEI person is, isn't, doesn't have a seat at the table with the other senior executive leaders, then Mm -hmm. what does that say? (laughs) Right. I'm like over here saying amen in my head because that is, that's usually the crux of most issues actually when there's some new initiative. And of course, as an HR person, I think about this, uh, in my own frame of mind, because when DE&I roles have not existed at companies that I've worked with, that was an HR-focused or sponsored initiative. And yeah. HR teams are notoriously very lean. <clears throat> and, yes. you know, with that, it's like, how is their priority placed on, you know, all of the priorities? Because everything, when you're a lean team, is technically a priority, because you have to yes. get it all done. But with this, uh, you know, the reckoning of 2020 where everyone's like, wow, the, you know, we've, we really need to pay attention to this. You're yes. right that it was such a different um, environment in the sense that companies had more money than they do today. It seems that way, at least. Mm-hmm. There Maybe there, you know, of course, there were layoffs then as there are now. But in general, the the willingness or the elasticity around the budget, let's say, was much more giving yes. than it is today. And so, of course, naturally, there's the, at least from what I've seen, organizations that see HR functions, DEI, learning and development as a cost center, which if anyone yeah. has been here for a long time, you know, listening to my early episodes, I take huge issue with this, like HR is not a cost center. But the reality is, is that when a company views a, a structure or a function that way, it's going to be easier to make budget cuts, even if uh, yes. You know, DEI is as important as it is in an organization. So I think it's a really interesting perspective that you bring up. And and then on the other side of things, it makes me think about how, you know, when 
things when there is that DEI fatigue or there is that party of one, how do they decide what those priorities are then? And, you know, maybe, maybe that company doesn't have a diversity statement yet. So that's priority number one, because you have to be able to have the actual ethos or the space for diversity in order to be even able to talk about it. So it's just an interesting and I think very complex position that businesses have to understand that they're in regardless of whether they have the role or not that's that's absolutely right that that is that is it that because when you normalize it you don't have to call it anything because the behaviors and and the strategy around these things these aren't new they just may have the DEI uh, (laughs) name attached to it but really it should be normalized as part of the culture because all of these things really help drive uh, employee engagement. It, it drives, you know, especially and mentoring definitely is not new. You know, no, I, right. sometimes I feel like it's such a battle, you know, with some organizations when we're talking, because we know that we know that mentoring works. We know that we have the, uh, you know, I know that our product is amazing and I know we'll talk about that. But the thing is, is that mentoring isn't new. Access to relationships isn't new. Individuals being able to leverage um, support and sponsorship within organizations and coaching, none of these things are new, you know? And so that's why it's like, why is this so hard? (laughs) Why is this so hard? Because it's just simply not in the top five, even we find, of initiatives and strategies that organizations leverage, you know? And, and so it's sometimes, and because my background, you know, I've been dealing in a, with mentoring, whether it was mentoring youth or other professionals or being mentored, it just, it, it's just always been a part of my makeup, you know, mm-hmm. and, and my career trajectory, quite honestly. And so it is, it's really hard to understand why this is just not normalized and commonplace. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about, you know, the, the reality of uh, someone who is in this DEI role or an HR focused DEI role, however, the structure is set up at an organization. And if or whether or not they have that seat at the table, at the executive table specifically, And if they don't, how mentoring could work for them internally. I mean, it's really, it can, you know, it's a pretty thankless role when you are servicing employees as an employee yourself. And I've talked about this a few times that HR, DE&I, like those, you know, learning and development, those roles are misunderstood in the sense that they are providing services to employees. They themselves are employees and so they have a different type of like skin in the game, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But other uh, functions don't have that same understanding. And so when it comes to normalizing, as you've said, normalizing these these concepts and ideas, it's also kind of like a change management issue. Like I think about even just fundamentally, if people or organizations are not including, um, you know, diverse or diversity, equity, and inclusion at the hiring stage in the sense of like how they think through hiring, how they like enable access and things like that, what types of questions that they're asking or not asking. When that, you know, that's like a perfect example of like when you build that into the culture at an organization, you don't even think twice about it. Now you've actually enabled someone to have that 
muscle memory for how to create space for individuals, whether it's making sure someone on their interview team or that their interview team in general is representative yes. of the organization's diversity or, mm -hmm. you know, the, the questions that kind of share the, um, the ethos and the culture of the organization around D, like all of those things. And so I can imagine in a place where someone is a party of one that yes. they probably need mentorship more than ever because it's such a siloed feeling and, yes. you know, they, they probably don't really have that same access. So I would love to kind of shift gears into that. Like how do companies create that space for mentorship when we think about like what you've mentioned around access to relationships, how does that all connect with these DEI focused initiatives? You know, the the reason that organizations sometimes um, they fare better, if you will, with um, implementing and whether it's internal or an external structured mentoring program like what we offer, it is important that first, mentoring and access to relationships becomes a part of the business strategy, that it is tied specifically to um, whether it's retention goals, whether it is um, diverse representation amongst teams, whether it is, you know, thinking about um, how, you know, what results they want as it relates to employee engagement. You know, how are they looking at those types of things? And so, and equitable access to opportunities for development. There, there are many data points um, available that speak to mentored employees versus non-mentored employees, that there is increased retention, that there is increased promotability for, especially as it relates to minorities and women. You know, there's um, several thoughts around how access to relationships and mentoring helps to improve cultural competencies, you know. And so we know that mentoring, um, when applied through the lens of diversity, equity, inclusion, is absolutely um, going to help build inclusion and belonging. It's going to help um, eliminate those siloed um the, the siloed communication that um, sometimes exists within organizations. And so when we um, work with organizations, we offer, you know, a solution that not only um, offers the one-on-one -on -one mentoring, but it offers group mentoring. We have diversity-focused um, forums that are, that employees are able to participate in. So we have one for, um, black, indigenous, and people of color. We have one that's pride focused. We have one for women called Project Lead for Women and Developing Leaders. And we're really excited because as I mentioned earlier, when mentoring and access to relationships is happening at all levels of the organization, we know that better outcomes result. And so we have launched some executive forums for C-suite leaders and those involved in the HR and DEI space. We do that because we know that it can be lonely at the top. It can be mm -hmm. um, this siloed um, communication that takes place. And we know that senior leaders need a space um, in which they can share challenges, a place in which they can 
also share best practices and learn from one another. And so we believe that there is no better way to do that than by, you know, having, a, you know, a structured mentoring program. And we love, you know, I particularly, I call it walking leaders through a process of enlightenment to just say oh, I love that, that um, you know, let's take a really, and I, I say take a heart look, you know, there's a hard look and then there's the heart look, mm-hmm. you know, where we're looking at really what is the heart of our organization? What do we, how do we want our employees to feel when they walk out the door, you know, and so mentoring can be leveraged, you know, as a benefit. And that's what we, how we hope people will view what it is that we offer them, you know, through our work and mm-hmm. engagement or that we want, um, you know, them to feel that they have a tool, that they have resources that employees can hang their hat on to feel, I'm proud that my company is investing in my well-being. I'm proud, you know, mm-hmm. that my company understands that, um, you know, there are things that will help develop me holistically, you know, not just on, you know, one-sided as it relates necessarily to the the um, the task associated with my job, you know, but helping, you know, helping them be better, you know, and so, you know, having, um, because our matching, that's one of the reasons that many mentoring programs fail, matching, bad matching, not having, being able to measure. And that's, you mentioned, you asked me, what were the challenges that I hear most? Companies want to know, how can I measure the effectiveness of a mentoring program, of the engagement that's going forward? Mm. You know, and and that is something that that we definitely try to support because we have, um, you know, reporting that that looks at engagement. What are the number? I, I had a conversation yesterday with a leader and I was able to say, you know, of your participants, you had 59 mentoring sessions take place. Wow. You know, that equates to over 100 hours of mentoring and development that took place wow. for these employees that you selected as participants, you know, That's and incredible. that, means a lot. yes. And, and there are some companies that have 100% engagement and we're proud of that. We average 90% um, engagement, you know, so think about a company who has a hundred participants, you know, who achieves 100% engagement, meaning that they are all, leveraging the resource that a company has invested in, there is no better, you know, feeling, you know, than knowing that an investment is making a difference in the lives of employees. And lastly, I'm sorry, I'm talking, 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 but it's so good. So exciting, you know, but knowing that the, the other piece, um, the matching that takes place in our platform, it's based on topics Tracy. And, and, and that means that I, as a participant, I can select what I value most, what I need most, you know, to know that I can talk about if my need is to understand how to um, grow my business acumen, or um, I'm a single parent, we even have single parenting in the platform as a topic. You know, how often does that come up in a performance management conversation? Right, right. You know, because there are just so many other things. It's not that there aren't, um, you know, companies that value that topic. It's just, it doesn't always come up because I may not feel comfortable, you know, talking Mm -hmm. about what I'm managing at home because I don't want it to make me appear that I can't do the job, you know, effectively, you know. And so there's just, 
there there's so um many benefits that you know I just love you know talking to organizations about and um you know knowing that when it is viewed as a value add at all levels the outcomes are tremendous oh man I have so many questions, but I'm not going to throw them at you at one time like I would normally do. Um, my, <laughs> like, I'm so inspired by what you all do and the outcomes because, you know, I work for not like a small organization, but we're a tech startup and, you know, we're we're small but mighty in the sense of like what we're doing. And so my first question yes. was like, is there a barrier to entry as far as like what the ideal company size is in order to be able to support mentorship and like those relationships? Oh, such a great question. We are really one of the only platforms that is scalable and works with companies of all sizes. Our largest client is deployed in 17 countries and our smallest client is an eight-person recruitment firm. Oh, wow. And so, because we definitely know that mentoring matters for yeah. all companies. It and and we we want to um be inclusive of all companies of all sizes. And and we are and our platform is scalable as such. And that is something that we're very proud of. We are um one of the only platforms that offer of its kind that offers um you know the an external mentoring option, you know, where employees can have wow. access to um, participants both inside and outside of their organizations. Wow! And and we are we are so proud of that, and and we are proud from the um, aspect of we hold a net promoter score of seventy eight. the The average industry average is thirty six. You know, mm. we know that um, engagement that you know, no pun, but kind of, sort of, <laughs> you know, on the name that we're called engagement for a reason. You know, and, and we, um, you know, we're just, we're very proud, you know, of, of the product and, and proud that we're able to scale with companies and grow with them. If they pilot a hundred employees or if they pilot, you know, 50 or more, you know, our sweet spot is companies with employees between 50 and 500, but, you know, we definitely work outside of that scope as well. Yes. And we have clients that represent that. If your company is remote or hybrid, then you know just how difficult it can be to grow your company's culture beyond a pre-scheduled Zoom happy hour or occasional lunch and learn. Well, this week's sponsor is here to solve that. They're called CultureBot. CultureBot has devised what will likely become the gold standard for growing and blossoming a company culture inside of Slack. The app is like a sidekick for any HR or people professional, automating a lot of the mundane tasks you probably are forgetting to do on a daily basis. Things like birthday and work anniversary celebrations, team shout outs and kudos, employee introductions and remote games. It even has health and wellness tips and conversation starters. If that piques your interest, this will get you even more excited. Today, I'm able to share a special promotion for listeners of the podcast. You can get your first six months of CultureBot for 50% off. Plus, if your team is under 25 employees, CultureBot is free forever. So if you're looking for a way to create a culture of appreciation and drive increased engagement and togetherness across your team, I definitely recommend checking out CultureBot. 
Go to getculturebot.com slash humanhr. That's getculturebot.com slash humanhr to get the offer. Plus, I've added the link in the show notes so you can just click right there. Now, let's get back to the podcast. That's amazing. And I think it sounds like you guys have a lot to be proud of. I mean, to hear yes. that there are companies of fewer than 10 employees prioritizing mentorship, let alone being able to take part in that, um, I think is really, yes. really cool. I I really think that, you know, when when I think back on my career, and I'm sure that you, given, given your role and engage mentoring and what you do, maybe you can relate to this as well, that, you know, there are so many people, and we were kind of talking about this before, um, before we started recording, that there are so many people who come in and out of your life that have an impact yes. on your career, whether it's just like the professional stuff and truly career-driven stuff that you do, or even as you have a family and how you integrate your career with your personal life. Like there are so many people that have small but mighty and sometimes just like really large and mighty um, influences on our experiences. And, you know, that's, it's not lost on me that mentorship, even if it's not in a formal environment, is so yes. critical to someone feeling really connected to the bigger picture, the organization, feeling engaged yes. in what they do. And this like other thing that I thought about before when I had all of these questions in my mind is that it probably, and I would love to know like some facts on this if you have it too, but it, it probably is like a super symbiotic relationship in the sense that the mentor feels really good about what they're able to do and they're engaged because they're involved beyond the scope of their day-to-day -day role. And the mentee is obviously super engaged because they're getting, you know, this wealth of knowledge from someone that's invested in their career development and it's not necessarily right. their boss. This is someone else taking the time. Right. Is that an accurate statement? I hope. <laughs> yes. No, it is. It is an accurate statement in that, you know, there are benefits on both sides, you know, benefits for the mentor and the mentee. Yes. Feeling, um, fulfillment, you know, for themselves and their ability to transfer knowledge to someone else and pour into someone else's lives and speak into their success, you know, mm -hmm. and as a mentee, yes, I feel, um, you know, fulfilled from the, um, the point of that someone is investing in me that I'm able to also have a space for, um, not only sharing my experiences, but learning and just being a sponge for that tra that knowledge transfer. But one thing that that I love about that is also unique about us, we our participants, Tracy, we invite to serve as both mentee and mentor. Oh. Why do we do that? Because we believe there is no better way than for someone to grow their capacity than by viewing themselves as a mentor. So that's why that topical matching that I mentioned earlier is so important because if I, even if I'm a new professional, can at least select one topic, and this is what I encourage when I find that a participant hasn't yet flipped the switch to serving as a mentor also, because everyone comes in as a mentee, obviously, but they are invited from the beginning to serve as a mentor also, because I believe that there has, um, and I can't say there has to be because everyone <laughs> doesn't feel comfortable right away, but I encourage at least one topic that and I'll give you an example. I spoke to, she was an executive assistant to um, a very 
um, influential senior leader. Okay. And she had not selected to serve as a mentor yet. And she said, I don't feel comfortable. She said, I don't feel that I know enough. I don't feel that I'm experienced enough. I haven't achieved enough yet. And I said, you work for one of the most influential, respected leaders in the country. (laughs) I said, even if you select organizational skills, that is something that I am certain someone could benefit from hearing from you and how you have navigated this relationship, you know, with a high demand, you know, leader. And, and she said, wow. She said, I guess you're right. I said, because I know that can't be easy. (laughs) You know what I mean? Most people would not want that job. (laughs) Not at all. And so that's why I know there is value in the topical piece and that everyone can benefit from doing both. And not only that, we teach individuals how to mentor. We're one of the only software um, products of its kind that has a training and certification built into it. And so our participants have six courses built into our platform that they can complete. And when they complete it, Tracy, they get a mentoring certification along with a badge that they can display on their LinkedIn. Because again, and these courses, and they are good. Like I went through them, of course. Oh, I would hope I would get my, have my certification. <laughs> right, right. You know, but it's good content. And it even allowed me, um, you know, even as according to my bio, I'm a seasoned professional and my experiences, but they helped me. They helped me look introspectively at, you know, things that I still have yet to do. Because that's the other piece. When we feel as leaders that we've arrived and we can't benefit from mentoring and learning more then we we've lost mm-hmm. our effectiveness, you mm-hmm. know? And so I have a mentor in the platform. I've had, you know, had mentors and, um, you know, mentees and the other piece um, along with our program. So we also impact the next generation because for every employee sponsored in our program, it allows us to sponsor a college student in our wow. program as well. And so think about a college student being able to, now they're the, they are participating as mentee only. So they're the only ones in our platform, you know, that are mentee only, but think about a college student who is able to select a a younger professional, not too far out, you know, from them and their experiences, you know, right out of college or, you know, because it's multi-generational. And then, you know, as a seasoned leader, there is value in reverse mentoring. You know, so it's not always about who has the most um, years of experience or the same level, you know, as we do. It is reverse mentoring works. I think I have uh, made a personal goal to be more intentional about cross-cultural mentoring, you know, choosing someone that doesn't check one of the same diversity boxes that I do, because that's also another way for me to learn and grow and broaden my perspective. Absolutely. Wow. There's so much to unpack in all of that. I mean, first of all, with the executive assistant example, I literally got the chills because I was like, wow, not Mm -hmm. only did this person kind of uh, have some self-doubt and in a way like diminish the work that they do, just whether it's related to their title or experience or whatever, they then like in sharing their 
feelings and their nervousness or their anxieties around this, they then exponentially developed their careers. I mean, like they, they grew as individual, as an individual, they grew within their career. They probably are more engaged in what they do. They're probably more engaged with their leader. I mean, that is such a cool story. And, you know, regardless of the title that someone has, we should never diminish out of, you know, the things that we do. I mean, everyone starts somewhere. Everyone, you know, goes through school, whether they go to college or not, and they decide on what they're going to do for the rest of their lives. Everyone has that stage. And then everyone's new at something at some point and everyone's growing at something at some point. So I just really love that example of how mentorship is an investment in someone's career development and their confidence and their, self-worth also like I really um in a way I felt emotional when you shared that story but maybe (laughs) that's just maybe that's just me but it's like you know I I think back to all of those times that I was a mentor and there were people who did share like you know I'm only an HR admin or I'm only an intern and it's like we got to take only out of the vocabulary you are an intern, you are an HR admin, but what's next? How are we going to get you to the next thing? Or if this is the thing, you know, how do you become like the best at that thing and really proud of the work that you do? So I feel really um, honored to know that story. And I, I appreciate you sharing that with all of us. And the second thing that I was thinking about as you were sharing this is that I would imagine, and I'd love to hear if you have like even, you know, I guess like statistics on this at all, but I would imagine that when there is that investment in an individual as a mentor or a mentee, and I loved what you said about cross-cultural and cross-diverse, you know, like really expanding who we believe we relate to because we have different things that we can relate on with different people, you know, depending on their career, their background, their social or economic situation, all those things. But is there any type of evidence or statistics around how someone feels then further engaged in their company in the sense of like how much longer they're staying, like what, you know, further tenure looks like. Is there anything around that? Cause I would imagine that when a mentor and a mentee are involved in this relationship and engaged in this relationship that, and we know that relationships are often the thing that keep people longer in an organization, that there would yeah. be some sort of tangible improved tenure or like reduced attrition as a result of this type of initiative? Absolutely. There are some um, statistics that, and and I feel terrible because I'm trying to think where the study came from, but it was 94% of employees said they would stay at a company longer if they Mm. were offered opportunities to learn and grow. And I know, and I'll I can't remember where it came from. If oh my we can gosh. find it, um, we can link it in the show notes. So no worries. Yes, I will. Um, I, I I will find that for you and make sure that I send it to you. Um, but 94% of employees that were, um, it was right around that the early part of the pandemic, you know, that two year mark that mm-hmm. said they would have stayed longer had they been offered opportunities to learn and grow. Um, 34% increase in retention for mentored versus non-mentored employees and 24% or 23% increase in promotion and retention rates for minorities and women. Wow. Those are big numbers. As compared, yes, to non-mentored employees. So there is value. 
for sure wow. in um, mentoring or access to, you know, growth opportunities for employees. Absolutely. Wow. Wow. I can't say I'm surprised because it makes sense. Like there, there's intrinsically there that makes sense that there's a connection between, um, you know, engagement and tenure and promotion also with, with yep. these relationships, as you've mentioned. And, and then I guess like on the flip side of these, of this, when, um, when we think about like getting feedback, especially from like the HR side of things, we get a lot of feedback around career development. If we're running engagement surveys, satisfaction surveys, or even mm-hmm. just talking and kind of keeping a pulse on the organization. And I've had so many conversations with leaders that when we think about career development, it's, it does, it, there's not, not a linear relationship with career development being bad and, and access to a promotion. Career development is like this whole spectrum of things and mentorship is a huge part of that. It's like, how do we grow and expand our knowledge, our exposure to other people, to other sides of the business that maybe someone's interested in? So it sounds like you, uh, you and your, and engage mentoring are really doing a nice job of just like thinking about career development holistically, because it's not just about like more money and more responsibility. Not everyone wants that. Some people want to be in their role, but- grow yeah yes and they want a culture that makes them feel that they belong that they feel valued there was um, a study done by Glassdoor and 12 to 1 culture was more important than compensation Mm -hmm. 12 Mm -hmm. times more important um, to employees was culture overcompensation. And sometimes there's so much focus on saying that people are leaving for more money. That's not always the case. No. People are leaving to go even do lesser demanding, um, lesser responsibility and all those types of things because the culture takes precedence over yeah. some of the other things that we have rated very highly, you know, yes. as leaders in the past. Yes, Things it's true. Priorities have changed. People want to feel um, that they can show up authentically. People want to feel that um, they are valued and that they're holistically, their perspectives matter. They're lived. And, and we as leaders have to um, really do better at understanding people's lived experiences that they yes. bring to the workplace. We must know that... Um, you know, the, the book sense, if you will, that we bring isn't all that, that shows up with us. Right. <laughs> you know, right. There's so much more. Yes. Yeah, so much more. And so I think, you know, leaders who, who miss that, who don't um, value and really understand how to bring out um, the, the richness and the um, diversity of experiences of their team members. They're just not getting the full breadth of who they are. Absolutely. I always uh, like to say that 2020 was really the year that allowed us to see that gone are the days where people like leave their stuff at the door. I'm not willing to call it baggage because I don't think it's baggage. It's like experience, life experience. Right. But employees are not doing that. They're like, Oh, yep. I'm a a parent. I'm a mother. I'm a husband, whatever, father, whatever it is. And I have all of these things going on and you have to accept me for who I am and the challenges that I have. And I need to have, you know, some sort of psychological safety in the place of work so that I can be myself and I can 
feel comfortable letting some of that go while at work because it's it's yeah. not to say that people are always bringing that with them but in the sense that they're necessarily talking about it all the time or bringing it to yeah. their day to day but it sits with you and especially if you work yeah. remotely i mean we saw so many women leave the workforce because of the 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 pressure for needing to be home while you know schools were closed during covid and stuff like yeah. that i mean there are there's a reverberation still throughout society especially in the united states where women are are still actively trying to figure out how they make being at home potentially still or or putting a different emphasis on being home while not sacrificing yes. their careers and their career tra trajectory and it's not easy and and it's also easily solvable if a company can understand that there has yes. to be space made for all of that. Yes, if companies can understand how to um, accommodate, you know, in a way that supports everyone involved. Right, <laughs> it's everyone. Creating <laughs> more flexible options, yes. you know, just not being as rigid. It doesn't mean that we still don't have expectations. It doesn't mean that the the work has to suffer but we have to think differently about the work and be willing to to be flexible and and really help um you know help individuals still from for me it increases organizational commitment when i mm -hmm. know that my employer cares enough to shift <laughs> Right. shift on the behalf for the the betterment of the workforce yes. you know and and so it just really um it says a lot you know about organizations that are willing um to just put inclusion first you know inclusion in the workplace creating an environment where everyone feels respected valued and supported it's just it's just a win-win. <laughs> it is a win-win. Win. It really is. And I just love that we've been able to come full circle in connecting how, you know, the, the access to relationships and mentoring and all of that to DE&I and how it's so interconnected and that this is the yes. heart of DE&I is like making that space, understanding that we all have come from different life experiences and backgrounds and there are similarities and differences and the like and that companies can really just like focus their efforts on the relationship, which is so important in everything. Yeah. Like relationships are everything to career growth, to, you know, potentially yeah. someone's ability to get their next job. Like relationships are everything. Yeah. So if we just keep it simple and we remember that and we invest yeah. in that, it's like the, the DE&I uh, focus that companies have to have can really become like organically driven just by thinking about the value that's placed on how people connect and relate to one another and understand one another. So I just, I can't tell you how um, inspired I'm feeling going into today. Like it's just the start of our day here already, but um, I really, really appreciate all of your um, experiences that you've brought to this episode and just the, you know, the, the, I don't know, like the, the perspective that you've added to like how we can, you know, calm down the overwhelm that potentially people are feeling and really think about what is the purpose of DE&I? What is the purpose of people yes. feeling connected and like they belong at work? 
and that that is so much of that relies on this, you know, these relationships and access to those relationships. So I really, really appreciate you and your experience and, and engage mentoring and everything that you, you all are doing. Yes. Thank you so much, Tracy. Thank you for all that, that you bring just your authenticity, you know, oh. and offering this platform, Thanks. um, to your audience and, and it just, um, it's inspiring. And, and I hope that everyone, you know, takes from this, you know, segment that, you know, there, there is a cost to doing DEI. Yeah. And there is a cost to not doing it. There Mm -hmm. is a cost (laughs) to um, mentoring and there is a cost to not providing access to relationships. And when companies and leaders evaluate both sides of it, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm certain that, you know, they will find, we will find that the cost is much greater to not have these types of initiatives and and strategy in play. And so um, that's what I would like to, to leave your, your audience with and please, um, you know, visit us, visit our website. We're on all social media platforms, but our website is www.engagementoring.com. Please look at, you know, what we have to offer. would love to talk to you and connect with you. Amazing. And I also would love to plug, because I wrote a note for myself to remember this, that this episode is coming out the day before your birthday, Yolanda. So happy (laughs) early birthday. I'm glad that we could give this to you as a little birthday present. Um, But I I hope that it's like the best birthday ever. Um, And I really, again, I really appreciate you coming on. Thank you for sharing those resources. Everything for the listeners will be linked in the show notes. So If you didn't catch engagementmentoring.com, don't worry. You can click the link in the show notes and get connected. And I'll also link Yolanda's LinkedIn so that you can connect with her directly as well. Yolanda, thank you so, so much for your time and your, your wisdom. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, just before you go, don't forget to subscribe to the show so that you are the first to hear when an episode drops each week. And maybe leave a five-star review and a comment about how much you loved this episode. Plus, if you have someone in mind who would really enjoy this episode, make sure you share it with them. Thank you so much for tuning in and I'll see you next week.